Part ten of Child Christopher and Goldilyn the Fair by William Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty six King Christopher comes to Oakenham. But on the morrow, the first man who came to the king was the man at arms aforesaid, and he told that he had done the king's errand and ridden a five miles on the road to Oakenham before he had left the horse with his felon load and that he had found naught stirring all that way when he had passed through their own outguards, where folk knew him and let him go freely. And, quoth he, it is like enough that this gift to Oakenham, Lord King, has by now come to the gate thereof. Then the king gave that man the gold which he had promised, and he kissed the king's hand, and went his ways a happy man. Thereafter sent Christopher for Jack of the Toffs, and told him in few words what had betid, and that Rolf the traitor was dead. Then spake Jack, King and fosterling, never hath so mighty a warrior as thou waged so easy a war, for so goodly a kingdom as thou hast done, for surely thy war was ended last night. Wherefore will we straight to Oakenham, if so thou wilt? But if it be thy pleasure, I will send a chosen band of riders to wend on the spur thereto, and bid them get ready thy kingly house, and give word to the barons and prelates, and the chiefs of the knighthood, and the mayor and the aldermen, and the masters of the crafts, to show themselves of what mind they be towards thee. But I doubt it not that they will deem of thee as thy father come back again, and grown young once more. Now was Christopher eager, well nigh unto weeping, to behold his people, that he should live amongst. And gladly he yea said the word of Jack of the Tofts, so were those riders sent forward, and the host was ordered, and Christopher rode amidst it, with Goldilind by his side, and the sun was not yet gone down when they came within sight of the gate of Oakenham. And there before the gate, and in the fields on either side of it, was gathered a very great and goodly throng, and there went forth from it to meet the king, the bishop of Oakenham, and the abbot of St. Mary's, and the priors of the other houses of religion, all fairly clad in broidered copes, with the clerks and the monks dight full solemnly. And they came singing to meet him, and the bishop blessed him and gave him the hallowed bread, and the king greeted him and craved his prayers. Then came the burgreave of Oakenham, and with him the barons and the knights, and they knelt before him and named him to king, and the burgreave gave him the keys of the city. Thereafter came the mayor and the alderman, and the masters of the crafts, and they craved his favour, and warding of his mighty sword. And all these he greeted kindly and meekly, rather as a friend than as a great lord. Thereafter were the gates opened, and King Christopher entered, and there was no gainsaying, and none spake a word of the traitor Rolf. But the bells of the minster and of all the churches rang merrily, and songs were sung sweetly by fair women gloriously clad, and whereas King Christopher and Queen Goldilind had lighted down from their horses, and went afoot through the street, roses and all kinds of sweet flowers were cast down before the feet of them, all the way from the city gate to the king's high house of Oakenham. There then, in the great hall of his father's house, stood Christopher the king on the dais, and Goldilind beside him. And Jack of the Tofts, and the chiefest of the captains, and the bishop, and the greatest lords of the barons, 
and the doughtiest of the knights and the mayor and the alderman and the masters of the crafts sat at the banquet with the king and his mate they brake bread together and drank cups of renown till the void e cup was borne in then at last were the king and queen brought to their chamber with string play and songs and all kinds of triumph and that first night since he lay in his mother's womb did child christopher fall asleep in the house which the fathers had builded for him chapter thirty seven of child christopher's dealings with his friends and his folk it was in the morning when king christopher arose and goldilin stood before him in the kingly chamber that he clipped her and kissed her and said this is the very chamber whence my father departed when he went to his last battle and left my mother sickening with the coming birth of me and never came he back hither nor did mine eyes behold him ever here also lay my mother and gave birth to me and died of sorrow and her also i never saw save with eyes that noted naught as i might remember and my third kinsman was the traitor that cast me forth of mine heritage and looked to it that i should wax up as a churl and lose all hope of high deeds and at the last he strove to slay me therefore sweet have i no kindred and none that are bound to cherish me and it is for thee to take the place of them and be unto me both father and mother and brother and sister and all kindred she said my mother i never saw and i was but little when my father died and if i had any kindred thereafter they loved me not well enough to strike one stroke for me nay or to speak a word even when i was thrust out of my place and delivered over to the hands of pitiless people and my captivity worsened on me as the years grew wherefore to me also art thou in the stead of all kindred and affinity now christopher took counsel with jack of the toffs and the great men of the kingdom and that same day the first day of his kingship in oakenham was summoned a great moat of the whole folk and in half a month was it holden and thereat was christopher taken to king with non gainsaying began now fair life for the people of oakenrealm for jack of the toffs abode about the king in oakenham and wise was his counsel and there was no greed in him and yet he wotted of greed and guile in others and warned the king thereof when he saw it and the tyrants were brought low and no poor and simple man had need to thieve as for christopher he loved better to give than to take and the grief and sorrow of folk irked him sorely it was to him as if he had gotten a wound when he saw so much as one unhappy face in a day and all folk loved him and the fame of him went abroad through the lands and the roads of travel so that many were the wise and valiant folk that left their own land and came into oakenrealm to dwell there because of the good peace and the kindliness that there did abound so that oakenrealm became both many peopled and joyous though jack of the tofts abode with the king at oakenham his sons went back to the tofts and gilbert was deemed the head man of them folk gathered to them there and the wilderness about them became builded in many places and the tofts grew into a goodly cheaping town for those brethren looked to it that all roads in the woodland should be safe and at peace so that no chapman needed to arm him or his folk nay a maiden might go to and fro on the woodland ways with a golden girdle about her without so much as the crumpling of a lap of her gown unless by her own will 
as to david at first christopher bade him strongly to abide with him ever for he loved him much but david nay said it and would go home to the tofts and when the king pressed him sore at last he said friend and fellow i must now tell thee the very sooth and then shalt thou suffer me to depart though the sundering be but sorrow to me for this it is that i love thy lady and wife more than meat is and here i find it hard to thole my desire and my grief but down in the thicket yonder amongst my brethren of the woods and man and maid and wife and babe nay the very deer of the forest i shall become a man again and be no more a peevish and grudging fool and as the years wear shall sorrow wear and then who knows but we may come together again then christopher smiled kindly on him and embraced him but they spake no more of that matter but sat talking a while and then bade each other farewell and david went his ways to the tofts but a few months thereafter when a son had been born to christopher david came to oakenrealm but stayed there no longer than to greet the king and do him to wit that he was bound for oversea to seek adventure many gifts the king gave him and they sundered in all loving kindness and the king said farewell friend i shall remember thee and thy kindness for ever but david said by the roof in little dale and by the hearth thereof thou shalt be ever in my mind thus they parted for that time but five-and-twenty years afterwards when child christopher was in his most might and majesty and goldilind was yet alive and lovely and sons and daughters sat about their board it was the yule feast in the king's hall at oakenham and there came a man into the hall that none knew big of stature grey-eyed and hollow-cheeked with red hair grizzled and worn with the helm a weaponed man chieftain-like and warrior-like and when the serving-men asked him of his name and whence and whither he said i have come from overseas to look upon the king and when he seeth me he will know my name then he put them all aside and would not be gainsaid but strode up to the hall to the high seat and stood before the king and said hail little king christopher hail stout babe of the woodland then the king looked on him and knew him at once and stood up at once with a glad cry and came round unto him and took his arms about him and kissed him and led him into the high seat and set him betwixt him and goldilind and she also greeted him and took him by the hand and kissed him and jack of the tofts now a very old man but yet hale and stark who sat on the left hand of the king leaned toward him and kissed him and blessed him for lo it was david of the tofts spake he now and said christopher this is now a happy day said the king david whither away hence and what is thine heart set upon on the renewal of our youth said david and the abiding with thee but my will no further will i go than this thine house how sayest thou as thou dost said christopher that this is indeed a happy day drink out of my cup now to our abiding together and the end of sundering till the last cometh so they drank together they two and were happy amidst the folk of the hall and at last the king stood up and spake aloud and did all to wit that this was his friend and fellow of the old days and he told of his doughty deeds whereof he had heard many a tale and treasured them in his heart while they were apart and he bade men honour him 
all such as would be his friends and all men rejoiced at the coming of this doughty man and the friend of the king so there abode david holden in all honour and in great love of child christopher and goldilind and when his father died his earldom did the king give to david his friend who never sundered from him again but was with him in peace and in war in joy and in sorrow chapter thirty eight of matters of Meadham. goes the tale back now to the time when the kingship of child christopher was scarce more than one month old and tells that as the king sat with his queen in the cool of his garden on a morning of august there came to him a swain of service who did him to wit that an outland lord was come and would see him and give him a message so the king bade bring him into the garden to him straightway so the man went and came back again leading in a knight somewhat stricken in years on whose green surcoats was beaten a golden lion he came to those twain and did obeisance to them but spake as it seemed to goldilind alone lady and queen of Meadham, said he it is unto thee first of all that mine errand is then she spoke and said welcome to thee sir castellan of green harbour we shall hear thy words gladly said the newcomer lady i am no longer the burgreave of green harbour but sir guysbert lord of the green march and thy true servant and a suitor for thy grace and pardon i pardon thee not but thank thee for what thou didst of good to me said goldilind and i think that now thine errand shall be friendly then turned the green knight to the king and he said have i leave to speak lord king and he smiled covertly but christopher looked on the face and coat-armour of him and called him to mind as the man who had stood betwixt him and present death that morning in the porch of the little dale house so he looked on him friendly and said my leave thou hast to-night to speak fully and freely and that the more as me seemeth i saw thee first when thou hadst weaponed men at thy back and wert turning their staves away from my breast even so it is lord king said the knight and to say sooth i fear thee less for thy kingship than because i wot well that thou mayst lightly take me up by the small of my back and cast me over thy shoulder if thou have a mind therefore christopher laughed at his word and bade him sit down upon the green grass and tell his errand straightway and the knight tarried not but spake out queen of Meadham, i am a friend and fellow and in some sort a servant to earl geoffrey regent of Meadham, whom thou knowest and he hath put a word in my mouth which is both short and easy for me to tell all goes awry in Meadham now and men are arming against each other and will presently be warring but if thou look to it because all this is for lack of thee but if thou wilt vouchsafe to come to Meadhamstead and sit on thy throne for a little while commanding and forbidding and if thou wilt appoint one of the lords for thine earl there and others for thy captains and governors and burgreaves and so forth then if the people see thee and hear thee the swords will go into their sheaths and the spears will hang on the wall again and we shall have peace in Meadham, for all will do thy bidding wherefore lady and queen i beseech thee to come to us and stave off the riot and ruin what sayest thou Goldilind made answer in a while, Sir Guysbert, true it is that I long to see my people, 
and to look once more on my father's house and the place where he was born and died but how know i but this is some while of earl geoffrey for he hath not been abounding in trustiness toward us but sir guysbert swore on his salvation that there was no guile therein and they were undone save goldilind came on to them then spake christopher sir knight i am willing to pleasure my lady who as i can see longeth to behold her own land and people and also by thy voice and thy face i deem that thou art not lying unto me and that no harm will befall the lady yet will i ask thee right out what thou and thy lord would think thereof if she come into meadham accompanied to wit if i rode with her and had five hundreds of good riders at my back would ye have guesting for so many and such stark lads the knight took up the word eagerly and said wilt thou but come dear lord and bring a thousand or more then the surer and the safer it would be for us said the king smiling well it shall be thought on and meantime be thou merry with us for indeed i deem of thee that but for thy helping my life had been cast away that morning in little dale so they made much of the meadham man for three days and thereafter they rode into meadham and to meadhamstead christopher and jack of the tofts and goldilind in all honour and triumph they and seven hundreds of spears and never were lords received with such joy and kindness as were they but it were on the day when christopher and his entered oakenham the earl geoffrey was not amongst them that met them but when as they sat at the banquet in the hall and goldilind was in the high seat gloriously clad and with the kingly crown on her head there came a tall man up to the dais grey-headed and keen-eyed and he was unarmed without so much as a sword by his side and clad in simple black and he knelt before goldilind and laid his head on her lap and spake lady and queen here is my head to do with as thou wilt for i have been thy dastard and i crave thy pardon if so it may be for i am geoffrey she looked kindly on him and raised him up and then she turned to the chief of the serving-men and said fetch me a sword with its sheath and its girdle and see that it be a good blade and all well adorned both sword and sheath and girdle even so it was done and when she had the sword she bade sir geoffrey kneel again before her and she girt him with the said sword and spake sir geoffrey all the wrong which thou didst to me i forgive it thee and forget it but wherein thou hast done well i will remember it for thou hast given me a mighty king to be my man nay the mightiest and the loveliest on earth wherefore i bless thee and will make thee my earl to rule all meadom under me if so be the folk gainsay it not wherefore now let these folk fetch these seemly garments and array thee and then come sit amongst us and eat and drink on this high day for a happy day it is when once again i sit in my father's house and see the faces of my folk that loveth me she spake loud and clear so that most folk in the hall heard her and they rejoiced at her words for sir geoffrey was no ill ruler but wise and of great understanding keen of wit and deft of word and a mighty warrior withal only they might not away with it that their lady and queen had become as alien to them so when they heard her speak her will they shouted for joy of the peace and good will that was to be there then sat geoffrey at the banquet and christopher smiled on him and said 
see now lord if i have not done as thou badest when thou gavest me the treasure of green harbour for i have brought the wolf heads to thy helping and not to thy scathing do thou as much for me and be thou a good earl to thy lady and mine and then shalt thou yet live and die a happy man and my friend or else there shall be no else lord king quoth geoffrey all men henceforth shall tell of me as a true man so they were blithe and joyous together but a seven days thence was the all men's moat gathered to the woodside without Meadhamstead, and thronged it was and there goldilin stood up before all the folk and named sir geoffrey for earl to rule the land under her and none gainsaid it for they knew him meet thereto then she named from the baronage and knighthood such men as she had been truly told were meet thereto to all the offices of the kingdom and there was none whom she named but was well pleasing to the folk for she had taken counsel beforehand with all the wisest men of all degrees as for herself all loved and worshipped her and this alone seemed hard unto them that she must needs go back to oakenrealm in a few days but when she heard the murmur thereat she behight them that once in every year she would come into meadham and spend one whole month therein and were it possible ever should that be the month of may so when they heard that they all praised her and were the more content this custom she kept ever thereafter and she lay in with her second son in the city of meadhamstead so that he was born therein and she named him to be king after her to the great joy of that folk and he grew up strong and well liking and came to the kingship while his mother was yet alive and was a good man and well beloved of his folk before she turned back with her man she let seek out aloise and when she came before her gave her gifts and bade her come back with her to oakenham and serve her there if she would and the damsel was glad for there in meadhamstead was she poor and not well seen to whereas it was rumoured of her that she had been one of the jailers of goldilind when they came back to oakenham there they met gandolf baron of brimside now whole of his hurts and the king greeted him kindly and did well to him all his life and found him ever a true man good thenceforward was the life of child christopher and goldilind whiles indeed they happed on unpeace or other trouble but never did fair love and good worship depart from them either of each unto each or of the whole folk unto them twain to no man did christopher meet out worse than his deserts nay to most far better he meted no man he feared nor hated any save the tormentors of poor folk and but a little while abided his hatred of those for it cut short their lives so that they were speedily done with and forgotten and when he died a very old man but one year after goldilind his dear no king that ever lived was so bewailed by his folk as was child christopher end of part 10 end of child christopher and goldilind the fair by william morris read by phil benson